Friday, February the 5th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, the UN stands up for Suu Kyi and America lays down arms in Yemen. First, the world in brief. The UN Security Council called for the release of Aung San Suu Kyi, whose party was re-elected to lead Myanmar in November. However, it stopped short of calling the army's intervention against her government a coup in an attempt to stop China and Russia vetoing the statement. Meanwhile, Myanmar's generals tightened their grip, arresting Win Tain, a close ally of Ms. Suu Kyi's, and blocking Facebook. America's House of Representatives voted to boot Marjorie Taylor Greene off its committees. Ms. Greene, a newly elected congresswoman from Georgia, paid the price for peddling conspiracy theories, including QAnon and the notion that school massacres and 9-11 were staged, some of which she has since disowned. She also seemingly advocated violence against Democratic members of Congress. Despite that, only 11 Republicans voted with a Democratic majority. Joe Biden announced the halt of America's support to Saudi Arabia's war in Yemen without cutting other military aid to the kingdom. Mr. Biden said the six-year conflict, which pits Saudi forces against Iranian-backed Houthi rebels, has to end. The UN calls the war the world's worst ongoing humanitarian disaster. The new president promised America's return as a moral leader. Dominic Ongwen, a former commander in a rebel army in Uganda, was convicted of war crimes by the International Criminal Court. The Lord's Resistant Army, led by Joseph Kony, who remains at large, abducted Mr. Ongwen as a child. He started as a child soldier and rose through the ranks. He was found guilty of murder, rape, torture and sexual enslavement. After its Monetary Policy Committee met, the Bank of England told commercial banks to prepare for negative rates in case it imposes them in six months' time. However, it stressed that this was not a foregone conclusion. The central bank also raised its GDP forecasts for later this year when it predicts a rapid vaccination fueled recovery. The productivity of American workers fell by 4.8% in the fourth quarter of last year, its sharpest drop since 1981, as COVID-19 continued to shake up the labour market. Productivity increased by 2.6% overall in 2020. Working hours sank by 6.6%, outstripping the 4.2% decline in output. Vail, a mining giant, agreed to pay $7 billion in compensation to authorities in the Brazilian state of Minas Gerais. Two years ago, one of the firm's dams, which collected waste from an iron mine, collapsed. At least 270 people were killed in the ensuing toxic torrent. The disaster also caused huge environmental damage to the local water supply and forests. And correction. Yesterday's edition of Espresso mistakenly stated that Deutsche Bank had reported a loss of 5.7 billion euros, 6.8 billion dollars in 2019. Its actual reported loss was 2.6 billion euros. And now, here's today's agenda. Treading water. America's labour market. Today, at 8.30am Eastern Standard Time, economists across the world will be frantically refreshing their web browsers. That is when America's jobs report for January will be published. After peaking at 15% in April, the unemployment rate is currently around 7%. Most economists had not predicted so steep a fall, but last month's report was a shocker. After months of strong jobs growth, employment fell. This happened for several reasons, including waning effects of stimulus packages passed last spring and, most important, a surge in coronavirus cases. Since then, more stimulus money has been sent out, while new coronavirus cases and hospitalizations have declined, so expect today's report to be marginally better. 
consensus estimates say that non-farm payrolls are likely to rise by about 50,000. Still, at that rate of employment growth, America will not regain all its lost jobs until 2037. Go now. Haiti's presidential standoff. Haiti is set for a standoff when the opposition tries to force out President Jovenel Moïse. Though elections are not scheduled until September, his critics say he should go on Sunday because it is five years since the previous president's term ended. They plan to name a temporary head of state and a commission to oversee a political transition. But Mr Moïse says he will stay until February 2022, five years from the date he was sworn in. His rule has become increasingly autocratic, corrupt and incompetent. He has ruled by decree since the parliamentary session expired last January after legislative elections were cancelled. Discontent has grown worse. Haitians are troubled by gang violence and a steep rise in kidnappings for ransom. Last year there were nearly 200, up from 39 in 2019. Strikes and protests backed by unions have shut down schools and businesses this past week. Expect more of the same, or worse, this weekend. Continental Drift The African Union Summit Perhaps the only thing worse than not learning from history is drawing the wrong lessons from it. When Africa's leaders meet virtually this weekend for the annual summit of the African Union, they seem determined to set unambitious goals. Last year's summit declared 2020 the year of silencing the guns of civil war, only to have fighting break out in Ethiopia, the country that hosts the AU's executive arm. This year's goal is merely to celebrate the continent's art and culture. Yet there is desperate need for urgent action by Africa's leaders on several vital issues, starting with COVID-19. Whereas much of the rich world hopes to vaccinate its people this year, Africa is on course to have jabbed enough people to reach herd immunity only by early 2024. Governance and democracy have also slipped backwards in the past year, with several shamelessly rigged elections. The AU needs to show less celebration and a little more leadership. Nearly there. Israel's vaccination drive. Israel's third nationwide lockdown, which was scheduled to end today, has been extended for another three days because of high rates of infection and hospitalization. The Israeli cabinet has been split on loosening the lockdown. Benjamin Netanyahu, the country's prime minister, and health officials insisted the lockdown should remain in place. Other cabinet ministers wanted it to ease. Despite this, hopes are high that Israel could reopen its economy soon thanks to the government's vaccination campaign, which is running at breakneck speed. Two-thirds of Israelis over 60 have already received two doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. However, although the first signs of a decrease in infections in older age groups have been detected, overall numbers of COVID-19 cases and deaths remain high, owing to the rapid spread of a new and more infectious variant from Britain. Alas, even Israel is not out of the woods yet. Dab Hand Kwai Shou's IPO Today, Hong Kong's stock exchange welcomed the world's biggest initial public offering for a tech firm since Uber's in New York in 2019. The value of Kwai Shou, a Chinese short video app boasting 264 million active daily users, tripled from an IPO value of around $60 billion to nearly $180 billion. That lifted it well above better-known social media titans like Twitter, worth around $44 billion. Kwaisho's shares were more than 1,200 times oversubscribed by retail investors, a record for the city's bourse. 
The firm makes money primarily by taking a cut of tips that viewers shower on their favourite live streamers who sing, dance or even just sunbathe. The platform hosted nearly 1 billion live streaming sessions in the first half of 2020. It has global ambitions. The foreign version of its app, Kwai, claims tens of millions of users from Brazil to Vietnam. Kwai lacks the name recognition of TikTok, its arch-rival. But the $5.4 billion that Kwai Show has just raised could put it on the map. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Marianne Moore, who died on this day in 1972. A writer is unfair to himself when he is unable to be hard on himself. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.